Hey, hey, everybody, this is Eva Miller. Welcome to episode 19 of the show. I'm keeping on with the focus on the word release for the month of January. After doing the first episode about it, I realized there's some value in exploring that idea even further. And when I released the second episode, which was last week, uh, when my husband Moose was on the show and he shared some of his thoughts and beliefs about it and a little bit of his journey through releasing the hardest thing of all, which is a toxic family member from your life, I decided I wanted to keep on going and taking a look behind and under the beliefs and behaviors that we might need to let go of because they're not truly serving us. And doing so really allows us to clean up the space and design the kind of life we want and so that we can become the people we want to be. So in today's show, I'm sharing more ways that you can release yourself from things that are holding you back. So let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to The Eva Show. I'm Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm on a mission to help you acknowledge your worth, reclaim your power, and find your voice in this noisy world. If you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's a-okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. You're ready to ditch expectations other people have put on you and rise to become who you've always wanted to be? Let's go. All right, somewhere along the way in your life, you became obsessed with your future. You probably, I don't know, like formed an idea of who you thought you'd be. And sometimes those things are anchored to an age, right? Like when we say stuff like, oh, I want to have three kids and I want them all before I turn 30. Or I want two kids, but I don't want to start having them until I'm 30. Or we think things like, Our career or our finances would be at a particular level or at a certain place by a certain age. And you have thought about what you would have achieved. But today I would strongly encourage you to spend a few minutes getting to know where those notions, those ideas and expectations came from. And in the words of Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. And what I mean by that is when you spend some time thinking about how you think and where your ideas come from, where your expectations come from, your experiences in the past. All you're doing is gathering data. You're just getting information and data, information, it's neutral. You may not like what it reveals, but it's your thoughts about that information that make you view it as good or bad. But if you'll take the emotion out of it, I think it will help you a lot. So ask yourself, When you realize you had an idea or a notion or an expectation of the future, ask yourself where it came from. Peel back the layers a little bit. You know, maybe it was triggered by something somebody said to you and it just stuck. Or maybe it was something you wanted back then, but as you've matured, your desires have changed. Or maybe your desires stayed the same, but the execution kind of turned out nothing like you expected. Did you spend a lot of time? working towards something only to get it or get close to it and then realize, "Eh, I don't think this is really what I want. If so, don't hold on to it just because you told people you were going to do it. Even if you spent a long time working toward it, even if you spent a lot of money on it, I mean, I get it that we want to be practical and we don't want to, quote, waste our college education, but education is never wasted because it can never be taken away from you. You'll always have that knowledge, 
I mean, you know, maybe not everything. Maybe you won't remember everything from math, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like you still learned something when you were in college. You became someone better when you were in college and that can't be taken away from you. And besides that, it's okay to change your mind because you may not believe this. It may not feel true right now. You know what's best for you and what brings the most peace to your spirit and your body. And so if you are hesitant to make a change because you're afraid of what your parents will think or what someone will say, work on not caring what they think about that change because they don't pay your bills and it's your life. And you know, most of the time people don't outright say things like, wow, I was really hoping for more from you. You're such a disappointment. They don't say that. And so what you're really picking up on is the context of what you think they're saying. And you have let that affect you and direct your life for far too long, way longer than it should have. And you know, maybe they meant it exactly the way you took it. Or maybe they used a word that to them has a a lighter or softer meaning to it. But for you, it brings a more intense, harsher meaning with it. And maybe you can get curious about that and dig in there a little bit because a word that means one thing to you means something different to someone else. And while we're at it, remember that your feelings aren't facts. So if somebody, a parent, a sibling, or whomever, made a remark that rubbed you wrong, you have two choices. You can ask them to clarify, or if it was a long time ago, or you don't want to confront that person, just give them the benefit of the doubt and let it go. Just bless and release. Because ultimately, how much of what they said even really matters? I don't mean in your feelings. I mean outside of your feelings. Like, take those out and ask yourself, can I live a vibrant, happy, beautiful, fabulous life, even if they don't appreciate or approve? Because Again, even if they don't, it's still your life and you don't have to validate your decisions and your choices to anybody else. Releasing the need to validate your life choices is very hard, but it's really freeing. And when I left my ex-husband, nobody knew he was beating me. So it was an announcement of, oh, he's been beating me. Oh, and by the way, I'm leaving. And it was new news to everybody and they were all shocked. And before I had met my ex-husband, I had had a plan to join the Air Force and I was going to be a linguist and work for the DLI. I was going to work for the Defense Language Institute. And I wanted to be an interpreter and travel a lot. And my parents thought that was a pretty solid plan. And then I met him and kind of, you know, changed courses a little bit. And I didn't have a bad job or anything. It's just that It had good benefits and it had a decent enough future, but the pay was absolute crap. And I was going to be struggling as a single mom and they knew it. And so they came up with a plan to um, help me and encourage me to have an abortion. And I didn't want that. And they didn't take, I don't know if they weren't factoring in what I wanted. I, I think probably they weren't. I think they were probably just focused on my quote unquote problem of being a single mom. Because after I refused to get an abortion, um, they tried to talk me into giving him up for adoption. And they were just trying to solve my problem. I get it. But I kept saying, you know, no, I, I want my baby. And truth be told, until I got pregnant, 
I didn't know how much I wanted one. I mean, I knew I wanted a kid eventually, but I hadn't thought I was not one of those people who had, you know, a, a future tied to certain age or anything like that. I didn't know when I wanted to have kids and I wasn't even sure how many I wanted. But when he came along, I knew I wanted him and they were so scared for me. And also they, you know, the women in my family come from that, those generations of you've got to have a man to take care of you. And I don't totally buy into that. And so when I left him, it's not that they wanted me to stay with him, but they were very much like, oh my gosh, who's going to take care of you? How are you going to live? You're going to be like poor. And, you know, me saying, well, I'm going to figure out a way to take care of me, kind of threw him for a loop. And I get it. They were scared. I was scared too, but I was scared for different reasons because I didn't know what the hell I was doing or going to do. I was just figuring it out. I just knew that living with someone and living my life on my knees, begging not to be hit, was not how I was going to live. That was not in my future. I was like, nope, if I have to choose between living my life like that or die trying to stand on my own two feet, I'm going to choose the latter. And so my family was scared. And they never said anything else. But when Ryan came along, I didn't realize how much pressure I felt on me. Nothing they said, but I felt a lot of pressure to have basically a perfect kid, which is obviously ridiculous. We know there's none of those. None of us are perfect. Um, it was unfair to him too. Like I was always nervous if he misbehaved or something that they would, that would be the thing that they would point to and be like, mm -hmm, if she'd had an abortion or if she'd given that kid up for adoption, she wouldn't be going through this right now. Or maybe, you know, I was afraid they think that I was a bad mom and be like, what was she thinking having a kid? She doesn't need a kid. Look at her. She's a mess. And so I didn't realize how much of that I felt. And then when we chose to homeschool him, you know, the first year, it was just for the purpose of stability because our life was so discombobulated that year. So nobody batted an eye. But then the next year when I said I was going to do it again, it was like, Yar? Huh. Okay. And then the next year it was, you're, you're, you're doing that again? And by the time we were going to school both of them. They were like, really? You're going to school him? And of course, in my head, I was like, yeah, I don't know what we're thinking. But you know, you've heard that story. That was in a previous episode. But by then I had already figured out deep down, like I knew this was right for us. And so, you know, when people find it, this was 30 years ago and homeschooling wasn't as common or as popular as it is right now. And so when neighborhood kids or whatever, or family back home, kids, cousins, whatever, would find out that the boys were homeschooled, you know, the first thing that kids ask is, oh, you're homeschooled? Well, what's seven times eight? Like that's some kind of a test <laughs> to prove whether you should be homeschooled or not, or whether it's working because kids in public school have trouble with multiplication all the time. And nobody is like, ah, public school's not working. Get them kids out of there. Right. And so there was a lot of skepticism and disapproval at first. And so even then I felt more pressure sometimes to be like, oh, I need you to know this stuff because if somebody ever quote unquote tests you, I don't want you to look bad. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look like I made the wrong decision for you or that I'm not competent at this. And I realized through all of that, I was living my life from the outside in instead of the inside out. 
And that is a crap way to live your life. And a little bit, I kind of went through the whole thing over again when I decided to become an entrepreneur instead of being a W-2 employee. Because, you know, my kids were grown and I was like, I'm going back to school. I'm going to, you know, study psychology. And then I stopped doing that and was like, you know what? This is not the way to go. I don't need this in order to help people. I want to do this. And so I chose to switch midstream and start being a life coach. And, you know, there were lots of questions, you know, when people don't understand things, they're like, what are you doing? How are you going to make money doing that? Why are you doing that? And I think sometimes some of it has to do with them. Well, if you're doing that, then what do you think we should be doing for ourselves and for our kids? And I was never judging anybody else because they didn't homeschool their kids. I just knew what my kids needed. They were different and they needed something that they couldn't get at school. And I also knew that I wanted to control what they learned and when they learned it. I didn't necessarily want the timeline that someone else dictated for my kids. And so it was a, it was very hard to work through that. It was kind of hard to not just stand up and be the one who's different or doing something different, but it was really hard to let go of the fear of their judgment. My choices from deciding not to abort my baby to becoming an entrepreneur instead of a W-2 employee and everything in between, they were all the right choices for me. Even if nobody sees it, even if nobody else believes it, even if nobody else thinks so, they were the right thing. Period. Full stop. And it doesn't matter what other people think. Even if everyone, let's flip it, even if everyone thought every choice I made was brilliant, if I was miserable with them, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people love it if I'm not happy. The same is true for you. You know, sometimes when you're thinking about what you thought your life would look like at this point, you might feel like you have some, you know, invisible audience or a real audience watching you and maybe waiting for you to fail and judging you. Maybe you maybe you thought you'd be married by now. And maybe you've got people in your family who are like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever? Maybe you thought you'd have kids by now, or maybe you didn't and you got some surprises. But whatever you thought, let go of what that, what you thought that should look like and take a drink in of your reality. Because where you are right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. Even if it's not what you were expecting and even if it's not what you were hoping for, even if it's not what you worked for, everything happens for you. We always say, oh, this happened to me. Some things did happen to you, but a whole lot of stuff happens for you way more than you realize. And you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So even if you don't like where you are, where you are, there's something here for you to learn that you are absolutely going to need on the le next leg of your journey. So I got to ask, do you shame yourself when you think about your expectations and your reality and you realize that they're not matching up? Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Do you ever tell yourself that you have to do something or complete something or become something in order to be worthy of approval or love or respect? And I'm going to go a little bit deeper because this is something I think women really struggle with. And so I'm just going to say it. Do you believe you need to be skinny in order to justify thinking and feeling that you're beautiful? Have you ever prioritized the way you look over the way you feel about yourself? 
Can you believe that you are beautiful even if you're not at your goal weight? Can you believe you're sexy if you're not at your goal weight? Because if you've ever thought those things, then we got to take it a little deeper and say, what provides the definition of sexy? Is it a small little window of numbers on a scale? And if you're, as long as you're inside that window, then you're sexy. But if you're outside of it on either end, you're not. Because if so, work on releasing that because it's not serving you. In fact, all the stuff I've just mentioned, all of those things, trying to live a life that other people will approve of, trying to do things that you think other people will think is cool or will impress them or get their attention or get you noticed, all of that points to a life that's based on performance, not feeling. And shouldn't life be felt? I mean, I think it should be. We should be enjoying it. We're not going to love every feeling, but the negative feelings, the negative things that happen to us, they're part of the journey. They shape us. They mold us. We change when things happen to us that we would have chosen not to happen. And sometimes when we allow it, those things can make us better people, more understanding, more merciful, more graceful, more helpful. So if you've been trying to live your life based on what you think you need to do to gain approval from your mom or to impress your mother-in-law or to get attention from somebody else, if you think you're being watched on social media and judged by people on social or another invisible audience, all those things affect how you see yourself. And you know, the relationship between who you expected you would be and who you actually are That can be really brutal. It can be very punishing and it can put you at war with yourself. And that's never a good place to be. Peace within yourself should always be the goal and the priority. You should always prioritize how you feel over what you think other people are going to think about what you're doing and how you're living your life. Because when you release those things, And you do that, you begin to live life from a better space, which is from the inside out. And if you are thinking, ah, you don't want to know what's inside my head. If you have the belief that what's inside is too convoluted or too ugly or too messy to live from, it's because you have prioritized taking in the toxic waste from other people. It's time for you to clean up the place. It's time to purge. Get rid of that. Release that. Okay, I got to go. My time is up. I love you. Have a beautiful week. Write me and let me know what you thought of this episode, please. The email's in the show notes. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, girlfriend, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at I'm Eva Miller. Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon.